Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. I'm not used to being recorded, so I get to be in the moment when I preach. Um, I will be in the moment, but I will be reminded that I'm being recorded while I'm talking to you. Um, so I love Joseph. Um, is there anybody out there that doesn't know the story of Joseph? If you don't, you're not going to raise your hand because you're in church and we're going to make fun of you. But if you don't know the story of Joseph, that's okay because I'm going to give it to you today. Um, I love Joseph because um, when my friends are struggling, and, and this is me being real, my friends are struggling and something bad is happening in their life or something hard is happening in their life. Sometimes it's not even bad, it's just hard. Um, and we make it hard sometimes, and sometimes it's just hard. Um, and they want to talk about like giving up or they want to talk about how it's not fair that God would allow or God would do. I think of Joseph, and all of their excuses have to go away. I don't just do that to my friends, I do that to myself. When things are getting hard, when I've made things hard, and I'm like, I just, I just want to retreat. I just want to give up. I just want to say, this was too hard for me. I can't help but think of Joseph. And you're all like, well, you should think of Jesus. I do. I do. I think of Jesus when I think of the story of Joseph. Not that he was Jesus, obviously. Not that this is one of those things where people are trying to bring it out and say, all of those stories are just a, a type of, of Jesus, a story that we can, we can say about Jesus. No, what, what happened is there was a man named Jesus, and there was a man named Joseph, and there was a man named Abraham. And there was a man named Noah. And so because of that, this is going to be a really, really great moment of, of learning and growing this morning together. I feel like I've grown. So um, Drew has been encouraging us to not give our opinions, but to just go straight to the worth. And so my scripture this morning, or my notes this morning, are literally just screenshots of scripture, just the order that I want to go. So I want to take you guys to Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been with everyone that's come in and and preach powerful words that I know that has really, really encouraged, blessed, and instructed me in my, in my walk with the Lord, this race that I've been given. And if you go to verse, excuse me, if you go to verse 22 in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, By faith Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. And we're reading all these different things in this Faith Hall of Fame, and they all get a lot of really, really cool reasons that they had faith, right? And then you're like, okay, so I know the story of Joseph. If I asked right now all of you guys to just shout out one thing that comes to your mind when you think of Joseph, you're going to think about him being in a pit. You're going to be thinking about his coat of many colors. You're going to be thinking about how he was um, Rachel's firstborn. You're going to be thinking about how um, he was favored by his father. A lot of us can be like, well, that's not fair. That's not right. I mean, when I read these stories, I think about it from my perspective. I think about who I am in life, in, you know, order, in the story. How is it going to apply to me? But when we think of it, when we think of all these things, we think about him being sold into slavery, even though they wanted to kill him. We think about how his brothers went back to his father and said, you know, that they went to all this trouble to bring this bloody garment of his, this special garment of his, so much so that, I mean, it broke his father's heart, right? And so we think of all these things. We think about him going into Potiphar's house. We think of him being accused of rape, even though he didn't do it. 
We think about him going to prison for those things and then finding favor in prison. We think of those things when we think of Joseph. Now, how many of you guys have seen every type of movie they've made of Joseph? The cartoon's my favorite, right? I mean, like, I don't even know how they would do really, well, now they could, but when the cartoon came out, no one could, you know, no one could show it like they showed it in the cartoon, you know? They, they did a great job. But one thing that happens in the cartoon that I think is like our misconception with Noah is that he's in prison, right? Come on, go to the cartoon with me. He's in prison. He's already told the butler and the baker their dreams. It's already come true. He says, don't forget me. You guys remember? Guess what they do? They forget him, yeah. And in the movie, they show him, there's this one little plant of hope, right? And they show him just nurturing this plant. He's just nurturing it, and he's, he's upset with God. This isn't the promise you gave me. This isn't what you said would happen. You, why did you give me that dream if I was just going to be stuck here? That's what they show you in that movie, and you relate. You're like, oh, yes, I have that plant that I nurture. God, why did you leave me here in this prison with just a little bit of light and one drop of water and this plant that even when it comes to life, I can't do anything with it. I can't give it away. I can't pluck it. I can't use it or it's gone. God, why? Why did you want me? And you feel him. You're watching and you feel it, except that's not in the word. And I like that it's not in the word. I need for it to not be in the word. I need to know that a man can believe God and go through horrible events in his life tragedy, false accusation, not only be accused but punished for wrongdoing that never took place and still believe God. Not to the point of saying God is good but man is not. Loving God and loving man because God is faithful, God is true. And I think about where Pastor Drew brought us at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 and he said, now faith is the reality, my, my, my version, the Holman version says, now faith is the reality, or yours may say, um, the, yeah, the substance, I would say the substance is how I memorized it when I was growing up. Um, I know Drew says assurance, which we've, he's discussed, and we've discussed why we don't think that's great. But this, this word reality here is so powerful, and if you don't have that in your Bible, write reality over substance or assurance, right? And faith is the reality, is what, of what is hoped for. Faith is the reality. The reason why Joseph doesn't have the plant story in the Bible is because his faith was a reality. He didn't need to grovel and cry out, God, but I thought you said. But God, why won't you? God, what's this part about? His faith was a reality. His faith was a reality of what was hoped for. It was the proof the evidence, the belief. It was the proof of what is not seen. We can't say this right here about Joseph if he's in that prison, upset, crying out. And you guys are like, wait, you can be upset at God. Can you? Are you that powerful? Are you that mighty that you should question the Creator? I, 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 I don't know. I think I, I think I would contend with you, not for the sake of being right, but, but just for the sake of the Word. I don't want to fight with you. It doesn't matter for me to fight with you. What matters 
is that you understand that faith is the reality of the thing hoped for, the evidence, the proof of the thing that's not seen, that thing that you're staying faithful for. Tomorrow, like no one, no one has promised tomorrow. Like all my friends keep turning 30 or 32 or 35 or they're about to turn 40 and ah, it's my birthday so it's fun because it's a present. It's a, it's a day of celebration that you're here, right? But it's so much more than that. We have so many friends that were denied that gift. We have friends that will be denied that gift that are here in this moment because we live in a fallen world. We live in brokenness. I know that Joseph didn't know what was going to happen, but he had faith that the promise of God would be fulfilled. And he didn't live for God because he knew it was going to be fulfilled in his lifetime or on his timeline, which I think we're all very, very guilty of. And we can see that through this faith hall of fame that I will live for you, Jesus. I will be faithful. I will be faithful in this relationship if what I want to happen happens. I will be faithful to this job if what I want to happen happens. I will be faithful to this truth if no one else can come up and and, and change my mind. Listen, I know really, really great arguments and debaters that will change your mind. They're that aggressive. They're that scary. They're in for the kill. Are you going to know that you know like Joseph knew? That the dream he had was from God and that God would do what he said. Okay, so what's his dream? And so you can get confused. What's his dream? Because we're not talking about his dream in Hebrews. He didn't have faith because he believed in the dream that he got where he was over all of his brothers. That's not why he's in the Faith Hall of Fame. You guys are like, well, you can't say that. Well, it's not what it says. Yeah, he had faith. He was awesome. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about his belief that God spoke to Abraham and said, I will make you a father of many nations and I will give you this land. And it's being passed down and believed and believed and believed. And we see that through the whole chapter of Hebrews that we're preaching on. It's believed that God's going to do what he said he was going to do for Abraham. And so Joseph, right? There's some incredible things happening. First of all, we can, we can preach on Joseph when we're talking about forgiveness. I don't think any of us have forgiven like he's forgiven. You guys are like, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I know, you guys have dealt with some rough stuff. I don't know if you know, like, you dealt with Joseph-level stuff, but I know some of you guys have dealt with some serious, serious stuff. But I love it because, you know, he, he tricks them. He's, I'm telling you, Joseph is just my favorite. He's faithful. He's a trickster. He's emotional, right? He's, he's an accountant, apparently. He can figure out what we need here and what we need there got some good calculation stuff going on I said, yeah okay nobody gets the joke except drew who rolled his eyes at me uh, <laughs> he's 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 an excellent man okay he's an excellent man but he's more than that and so i want to take you guys because i took just pictures of scripture so i'm just going to take you there first of all the example that we're given of joseph is that he faced struggle so any of you out there that's never faced struggle you're probably not going to you know relate to joseph but i'm guessing that's probably none of us, not even our children. Our children face struggle every day. We, we face hard, hardship, and we know that Joseph faced hardship. We see that in Genesis, right? And uh, if you want to read the story of Joseph, you're going to have to read all of Genesis 37 through 50, okay? So, and then there's a creepy story about Judah right in the middle of it, all right? Despite that, he witnessed God using those hardships to rescue the descendants of Jacob. And as a result, though he died with Israel still living outside of the promised land, this is a big deal. He died with Israel still living outside of that promise that he hoped for, that he believed, right? 
His faith is proven by saying, listen, when I die, I want you to take my bones. I want you to take my bones into that land when we take possession. Okay, and so we're going to find out that during the exodus from Egypt, four centuries later, Joseph's bones were actually transported by Moses personally. It's amazing. We're going to go there in Exodus chapter 13. Okay, but we need to understand that not all of us are, a lot of times we're wanting, but we're not willing, right? I, I can see that I struggle with that personally in many areas of my life where I'm wanting, but I'm not willing. You know, um, I want to be healthy, but I'm not willing to give up this. I'm wanting to be um, kind, but I'm not willing to stop thinking on that, right? I'm wanting to be free, but I, I won't stop connecting and, and giving authority to this thing that shouldn't have bondage over me, that shouldn't have control and authority over my mind and my thoughts and my actions. So I'm wanting, but I'm not willing. And the, the problem is you can't have faith that way. Jamie, I just, I just want to be faithful. Okay. You have to be willing to be faithful. I remember being younger and someone told me that being faithful is easy when you want it. And I, I would challenge them until I die. Because I remember specifically doing things that I knew were wrong and still thinking they were wrong and never making them right and feeling the guilt of doing them and still declaring that they were wrong and you shouldn't do them. That sounds psycho, right? Except I just described every single one of you. I remember getting into arguments with my husband and thinking in my head as my mouth was running, just stop, Jamie. This isn't what you want. It's not going to go where you want to go. Just stop. But she wouldn't. She would not listen to me. Thinking, how can I make this right? Because I needed to be willing. I needed to be willing to lose that fight. Even if I was right. Oh, that's so hard. I don't know if it's hard for you. It's hard for me. We have to have not just the want to trust God, but be willing to trust God, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't look right in front of us, even when the thing unseen seems like it will never be seen, maybe not even in my lifetime. Maybe everything that I've done in faithfulness, only my children or my children's children will inherit greatness from it, victory from it something tangible, something they can hold, something that they can give. Maybe only they will. I was walking um, with Michaela and a, a, a young woman in our community the other day. They've been doing youth ministry, which um, I, I hear jokes about apostleship being like the scourge of the earth. I'm pretty sure it's youth pastors. Um, and so, like, you'll love kids, and then you'll see them in public afterwards, and, like, you didn't, like, they're living wrong, and they look at you like you're awful, and you're like, no, I still like you. Come, you know. So uh, I can't borrow my toothbrush, but we're good, you know. And so, um, it's just stuff like that. And we were walking with her, and we were speed walking because it's Michaela. And uh, I'm like trying to talk to them about Jesus, and I'm like, <gasps> you know, and realizing that I'm not willing to walk that fast. And um, she was telling me how, she was telling us how frustrated they were in youth ministry because these kids aren't willing. She didn't say it like that, but sum it all up they're wanting, they want to wear the badge Christian. They want to make their parents happy. We go to church, but they are not willing to listen. They are not willing to walk away with something. There's no YBH has happened. Yes, but how? That's just not happening. 
And she was like, my husband and I are just thinking, why are we doing this? Let's just stop. Let's just stop doing this, you know. And I don't know if it was the the word of the Lord or just being faithful in ministry. Because sometimes being faithful in ministry encourages you to encourage faithfulness. Like it really does. It's just just on you. It's just, it's like your smell and your feel, you know. And I went, if the only person that your ministry changes is your son, will it be worth it after all these years? If you pastor 6,100, 200 kids for the next 10 years and the only fruit that you get to see visibly is that your son is faithful and loves God, would it be worth all of your energy, all of your money, all of your time, all of your talent, all of your resources, all of the pain? Will it be worth it? And without hesitation, she said yes. Joseph didn't have children while he was going through this. I couldn't have been speed walking with Joseph and said, listen, I know this is hard. And I know, of course, he wouldn't have needed me to, but I couldn't have been doing that. And I'd be like, if it all turns out that your two future sons that you don't know anything about, they're going to get blessed by your father and everything's going to work out and you're going to feed people who would have starved to death. If had not, you would went through these tragedies and these horrible things and these hardships. Wouldn't it be worth it? Of course, he would have said in a moment, yes, because we see him do that. We see him do that with no idea, with no one saying, this is all going to work out for his good. He told us that. You look through the scripture. Joseph is not quoting scripture to us that all of this is going to turn out for God's good. He told us that after he lived through it. Faithful people live through hard things and still say God is worthy and mighty and righteous and faithful. God is faithful to me. In youth ministry, we've been going through the Old Testament because most of them are falling away from the faith because we stay in the New Testament and we don't tell them about the hard things in God. We don't tell them how there's horrible stories in the Old Testament because man wanted flesh to be king. They refused to let God rule, and so God used men who were full of flesh and lust and disobedience And they don't know these stories, so people come up to them and mock them for loving a God who would kill babies and then fighting against abortion. But they don't know the true story. They don't know the whole truth. And so we've been going through that. We've done Lot and Abraham. They were all like, Lot slept with his daughters? Well, he didn't know. Like, that makes it okay. It all worked out. He got things morning to know what's happening. How'd you guys get pregnant? Tell that to your teenagers. I did. And then we went to the prophet Elijah. And then we went to the prophet Elisha. And Elijah is freaking out. Nobody loves you, God. I'm going to serve you, but I'm tired of doing it alone. I mean, I'm going to do it. But there's nobody else that's faithful. They all suck. Sorry, Mom. Right? He's freaking out. Then Elisha. We took them to where Elisha takes them to a town in Samaria. He takes them to Samaria, and they're eating their babies because they're starving to death. Their minds are completely perverted, and they're like, we're going to die anyways. The babies are going to die first because they get their food from us. We're not getting any food. I'll boil my baby. You boil your baby. Sounds good? Good. And then they want to take them to the highest whoever to judge because she hit her baby. We ate mine yesterday. It's your turn. Bring it. Bring the baby. Yeah. Our youth group knows about that now. And then we take them on to J.L., who's a double agent. 
and she stabs someone through the head with a tent peg. Awesome. The book of Judges is hardcore. And then last week we took them to Samson, who all they knew, all they knew is that he was a Hercules-like hero. And I was like, he was a bad dude. Not like, oh, he's a bad dude. Like, he's a bad dude. He wasn't a good guy. But God had a plan for his life. And he did not honor God with his life. But God used him. And he began to deliver them from the Philistines. Like, this stuff is important. What we're learning about Joseph is important to not, sorry, don't skip any of the chapters. Read it all. Write it all down. Go in order. Look at what he went through. See if what you saw in the movie is true. Where's that plant that he nurtured when he was feeling sorry for himself? Where's that thing that culture says, well, that's why? Or don't you know who your God is? Will someone else be able to tell you? Or will you have enough faith to go from being wanting to willing to pursue and know the God of the Bible, who is Jesus? If you find a God outside of this word, it's not him. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. That word became flesh and his name is Jesus. And the faith that we're trying to have is for him. Listen, I remember being 10 years old and having faith that my feet were not going to grow any bigger. Please, Jesus. Jesus, I'm 98 pounds. I'm five foot eight and a half. My hands and my feet and my neck have to stop growing. It's not right on a young woman. I was wrong. They just grew and grew and grew. And in seventh grade, well, here I am. That's just some comedy because it's intense. Faith is the reality of what's hoped for. Yes, Joseph had a dream that he was going to be great. And even through all of that, he was. I mean, you read the story. Everywhere he goes, he's great. I love it. Like, I don't know if they write a Bible, if they, if they wrote a Bible and I had to be in it, I don't know what they would say about me. Her neck was long like a gazelle. She had man hands, and her feet were from the Flintstones. I don't know. I don't know what they would say. But when they talk about Joseph, they talk about how handsome he was, and that's why Potiphar's wife wanted him. Listen, everything he does is great. He's smart. He's handsome. He's intelligent. He's not lazy. He's faithful. He's faithful to God. He's faithful to the law. It would be wrong for me to sleep with you. You're not my wife. And I love it. One thing that I love in that, and this is so good, it's not just wrong to my master who's been so good to me. It would be sin before God. I watched this show. I can't remember. It's bad, so I'm scared to tell it, but it happened, and Jesus knows, so you get to, too. I watched the show when Netflix first came out. It's called, like, Paradise or something, and I loved it because it was when, it was like, it was when you had to order all your stuff from catalogs because there weren't, there weren't storefronts. I don't know if you guys have seen this. But then storefronts became a thing, and now you could actually walk in, and pants were already sewn on the mannequin, and you could say, well, I'm the same size as that mannequin, and you could buy it and go. And so that's when they started making, like, general sizes versus you had to get it made for your specific body, which I'm for that if it's not so expensive. And so I... Uh, I was watching it, and I really liked it, and it was good. I really liked seeing their day-to-day because they tried to do the history. But there's this one part where this woman comes from France. I'm probably making it up. 
Um, yeah, she came from Paris or something. And when she gets there, she, she likes girls. It's a hidden thing, and she likes girls. And that's not, that's not okay then. It's not like today. It wasn't okay then. And uh, follow me. Uh, this isn't that message, but this is powerful. And I feel that in this story with, with Joseph. And, you know, they're all friends with her because she's fun and she's cultured and she's beautiful and she makes them feel, she just has fun. She has no troubles. So when she's with them, they have no troubles. You guys have friends like that, right? Like, you're like, I can't pay my mortgage and I'm starving to death. And they're like, come over and let's have marshmallows. And you're like, yes, marshmallows will solve everything. I hate marshmallows, by the way. And so she's in this, she's just this happy, wonderful lady and everyone just loves her and nobody knows about her indiscretion. And this girl that is trying to make it in the world and she's loving this idea of this new movement of storefronts where anybody can walk in and, and buy their clothes and it's not so expensive and she's just so excited about it. She starts spending time with her and hanging out with her and the woman makes her a proposition. And of course she's like, no, no. And the woman's like, ah. Nobody will ever know. And she said this statement. It's the only reason why I love the show. She said, I would know. I would know. I've tried to live my life that way because of stories like Joseph. Yeah, I know. Maybe I would be really, really good at covering myself up. Maybe I'd be really, really good at making sure you think I'm the greatest Jamie there is. I am. Maybe I would be really, really good at making you think I'm faithful and honest, and my integrity is, but I would know. And he would know. And you see that in Joseph's life. In every area of trial, he refers back to that promise. But there's a promise greater than that he's going to be great. There's a promise that he is the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has spoken to them and said, I am going to deliver you into this promised land, make you... Your nation is going to be more than the stars, which I know we've explained that, so take it however you want it, but more than the stars. I can't count them. That is faith. And so what is our promise? Which I know you're probably going to preach this in the future, but this one's mine. What's, what's our promise? Do we know it? You really shouldn't have said what you said to bring me up because this man loves the word, but I'm going to have to attack you right now. Um, listen. If you don't know it because it was too long to read, if you don't know it because you've already studied your 15 minutes and you didn't get to that, that is not okay. That is wanting but not willing. And great men and women of faith, they didn't do that. Now, I, I want to be fair. As I just told my D group last week that I, I struggle. I get so excited because I can see the mark where I'm supposed to be and I get there. And I'm like, oh, finally, I've, I've pushed, I've studied, I've prayed, I've been faithful, I've, I've asked for forgiveness, and I'm at that spot. And then I look around me, and everybody I was running with, they're at a new mark. Oh, now they're learning Greek. Awesome. I just finally read the entire Bible and actually understood it. So I get it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that you're behind on your understanding. What we're talking about is genuine, willing pursuit to know the Father, to know Jesus as he is, to not stand in a place where someone can come up to you and change your mind based upon their knowledge. Listen, in this room, 
Most of the people that taught me about Jesus are sitting in this room and I started way after them and they will always know more than me. But that's not what I'm being compared to. That's not the race that I've been given. I've been called to be faithful, to walk in faith, to trust and believe and honor Christ with the best of my ability, to imitate Him and then have those that imitate me because I'm being faithful and I'm walking in faith and purpose and destiny and belief that I may never see in my lifetime. <laughs> Open, honest, and vulnerable. Not today. Yeah. Guys, I'm 35 years old. I've been the youth pastor here since I was 19. I have never taken a break. We have never shut down. Don't worry, Drew's fixing to make me. We have never shut down for the summer. And it's not because I'm amazing. It's because I remember being a 14-year-old who needed love and needed Jesus. And I can't in good conscience quit them. I just can't. But I am not their savior. And that's where I fall prey to the enemy. I think that with all of my strength and all of my energy and all of my money, oh, sorry, Eddie, and all of my time and all my talent, I have to save every 14-year-old that has never known hope. I said it like this at the summit. When Malachi was five years old, he grew up in the truth and reality that Jesus was God, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is faithful, that he heals, that he moves, that he redeems, that Nicole Newberry was bringing in 80 students and feeding them in children's church. And they were coming because they were hungry for hot dogs, not because they were hungry for Jesus. And so he's back there playing video games. My favorite story, Nicole tells it better. And she said, one of this kid was like, God, I don't believe in God. And she said, Malachi like did a backflip over his chair and was like, what? And she was telling me so I'd be proud of Malachi. But what Malachi said to me was, Mama, his mama didn't tell him about Jesus. A world full of kids whose mama didn't tell them about Jesus. And then the ones whose mama told them about Jesus don't teach them to be faithful. They don't teach them what faith is. Yeah, this is hard, but we believe in Jesus. Yes, it's tough. But we, we believe in Jesus. Yes, the world doesn't agree with us. Yes, they mock us. Let that be to our honor. Oh, that someone would oppose me for my love for Christ. That someone would mock me for my love for Christ because I don't see that happening. People like me in the community. They say stuff like, man, we would trust Jamie with our kids. They don't even believe in Jesus. I'm just so nice and so constant. No one opposes me for his namesake. I know I've said a lot. I am talking about faith. I just have one shot. Drew gets to be emotional, so I'm going to do it too. This version says it like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. <laughs> huh. I... I love Joseph because he had every right, now, not as a man of God, but as a man, 
I think that matters. He had every right to hate his brothers, to do unto them as they had done to him. He had every right to withhold food and starve them to death. Not only did he have every right, but he had every means. They had nowhere else to go. And people that want to argue and deal with the thoughts behind that were like, well, maybe that's why he did it, because he knew that they would die because they had nowhere else to go. He had every right. For all they knew, he was dead. Died a gruesome death. At least beaten and tormented. They had no idea what his life looked like. They didn't come searching for him. Guys, this has been years. This has been a long time. And you know what he sees in them? Which I don't. He sees a change of heart. You guys are like, yes, you do, Jamie. Remember? They're like, they're like, oh, like, no, I'll stay. Don't, don't take Simeon. Don't take Judah. Don't take Benjamin. I'll stay. Because they were worried about their dad. You read the story, right? It will break our dad. He can't handle the loss of another son. He can't handle it. They couldn't handle the guilt. They didn't have a change of heart. You know how we know they didn't have a change of heart? Because then when Jacob dies, what do they do? They make up a story. Okay, well now, he's probably like us, and we all care about dad, right? So we need to tell him what dad's final deathbed wish was. You guys seen Fiddler on the Roof? Fiddler on the Roof. I had a dream last night. You guys have never seen Fiddler on the Roof? It's too long. It's too long, isn't it? I love Fiddler on the Roof, right? Fiddler on the Roof, he's, he has to have a dream to convince his wife to do what they should do because she's superstitious. And if, you know, an aunt or a cousin or grandma comes to you in a dream and tells you, then it's from God, right? Sounds super demonic to me, but whatever, right? That's what, that's what happens on Fiddler on the Roof, like the good book says. And so anyways, that's what happens here. They're like, oh my goodness, he's going to kill us, surely, because it's owed to us. We deserve to die for the way we behave, but... If we can tell him that it was dad's deathbed wish that you would forgive us and treat us kindly. They, they didn't change. Did you hear the blessings of their father over them? Poor Reuben. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to be at the reading of that will. Okay? So stay away from your dad's couches, okay? That's all I'm saying. Right? And so these guys are bad dudes. Not all of them. And so, then we get to see Joseph again, this great man of faith who weeps that they've had to come to him with this. And he promises to bless them and take care of them and their children. It's crazy to me that this story is the story that pretty much makes them slaves to Egypt. Right? I mean, pretty much they're going to become slaves, right? There's going to have to be a great exodus, right? Because they're there. What did, what did Joseph do for the Pharaoh? Did the Pharaoh own all of the land and all of the people before Joseph got there? No. They're starving to death. They have no more money to buy grain. All right, well, give me your livestock. Okay, we don't have livestock. We're so desperate. They're about to eat the baby. We're so desperate that we'll give you us and our lands so you'll feed us, so we won't die. So Pharaoh becomes in charge of everyone and everything 
through the skills of Joseph. That's crazy. That's crazy. And you're saying, get back to faith. Yes, sir. (sighs) By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instruction concerning his bones. Let's go there. You guys need me to tell you where it's at, huh? Let's go to Genesis. I'm almost done. Zach, you can go ahead and go up. Take Robert with you. For real, if you guys can ever just read the things that Jacob says over his sons. It's pretty intense. Some of it's incredibly beautiful, too. Some of it you're like, I need to live that that is never said about me. Hmm. You see Joseph's kindness in chapter 50 of Genesis, right? And then we're going to go to Joseph's death. We'll start in verse 25. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. The statement of faith made by the man of faith. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. Joseph's in a good place. But he knows they won't be. He knows that Pharaoh is control of all people and all things now. But he has a promise from God that comes from Abraham passed on to Isaac and Jacob and now Joseph and even his sons that they are the people of the almighty God and he has a plan for them he has a victory for them this moment in time is just that and great things can come from this moment but faith sees what's going to take place I remember being taught that parents should live in such a way that your children get to start on your shoulders and not by your side. And when we do that, it's a great honor to ourselves because we will see much farther into the future than we ever could at this height. Or it's been said, children are quiver, our our, our arrows in our quiver, right? And when we pull back on that arrow and shoot it, it goes farther than we'll ever go. I'm big about youth and children's ministry and nursery ministry because they're supposed to be on our shoulders. Our faith is supposed to propel that truth. God is real. We can't say God's real if we won't live like it, if we won't think like it, if we won't talk like it. know that in this room you're faithful people and our faithfulness looks different I'm not asking you guys to serve in youth ministry and never take a break 
I'm not asking you to go over to nursery and grow it to 80, although I'm all for it. For 80 kids, one to four years old, before they ever get into children's church to know that God is real, that is victory. For someone to see that, for someone to say, I'm going to go into this nursery and I'm going to raise up young people who never have a doubt that Jesus is God and that they are unloved. Oh man, that is victory. One of us needs to catch on faith with that. To waste our money, to be completely spent in children's church, feeding the kids who go home and they're all by themselves and they can't cook. That's all right. Wednesday nights, we're going to feed them. We're going to have 125 monkeys over there tearing up our walls. But before they ever get to 707, they know that Jesus is God and that they are completely loved, vital to the kingdom of God, needed to further this operation of salvation. have 200, 350, I don't know, I'm kind of scared, of youth in this place that understand the term self-control, to put on his righteousness because yours can't do it, to put on the full armor of God because you are under attack, your mind, your body, your spirit every moment of every day before they become adults and come into this Sunday morning service and freely aggressively, excitedly give God honor. That's what faith looks like. And you are equipped. You are equipped by the word. You are equipped by the cross to step up and to go. Preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Right here, right now in this moment. Right here. Right now, I'm going to ask you to do what we do on Wednesday nights because, well, we should bring the lights down a little bit. I won't turn them off because that's not fair. It's not fair. Can't see. We need to walk around. We don't need to fall. I'm going to ask you to be you with Jesus right now, just like Joseph was. I'm going to ask you to think for yourself, not because I'm convicting you, because I don't have the power to do that. But because the Lord is. He's reminding you and bringing you back to a place where now you know what he was doing was for good, and in that moment you were sulking, you were ungrateful, you were maybe having thoughts or words against him, maybe to your friends who would listen and would hear and wouldn't pull you back to the word. Against the creator not believing and trusting him when he told you to be faithful in your relationships or faithful to this ministry or faithful to this job or faithful to this people this church not this but whatever it is this people this church faithful in finance faithful as a mother or a father it's very easy to not be a faithful mom because we're exhausted the very thing we're faithful to makes us tired it's very easy to not be a faithful husband or a faithful father and in those moments we'll blame Jesus why did you give me the thing I asked for when you knew I couldn't do it why did you open that door why won't you open that door 
Why won't you just show me? Just give me a sign. When Pharaoh needed someone to interpret his dreams, and the butler remembered all of a sudden, you guys just think to yourself, I'm just telling the story. Oh yeah, there's a guy. Joseph had already successfully interpreted dreams. And when he got to Pharaoh, he did not boast about that. Pharaoh said, I'm told you can interpret dreams. And he goes, it is not I, but God. If we really knew who Jesus was, and we really knew the opportunity we had to serve him, life would look a lot different. We would live in faith. And we would make it into that faith hall of fame. Now listen, I'm not wanting to make it into the faith hall of fame for all of you. I'm sorry. But I do want to for Malachi, Noah, Jacob, and Micah Rose. I want to be found faithful in the sight of my children and my children's children to know that even when it was hard, when it wasn't fair, I still declared, believed, and lived that God was good. That he was king, that he was Lord. That he was in charge and that he had a plan for my life. Even in the midst of the enemy using man to destroy heart, my mind, my dreams, people's opinions of me. But Jesus is coming back. I have a promise in him that I am redeemed and I am his forever and I will spend eternity with him. He is faithful. Pastor, he is faithful. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.